Hi everybody, Ray and Steve here. We are back with Counting Tracks, episode number five. We are going to be doing Dave Matthews Band today. Uh, we're going to be focusing on the debut album, Under the Table and Dreaming. Uh, Steve is here with me. Uh, Steve is the uh, Dave Matthews aficionado of the two of us, so he's going to be doing the heavy lifting for, uh, for most of the episode today. How's it going today, Steve? I'm doing fairly well. How are you? I'm doing good, man. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it right over to you. We're we're jumping into Dave Matthews. That's your wheelhouse. So uh, tell us tell us a little bit about Dave Matthews and, and the album we're talking about here. So yeah, this is gonna be tough for me because we're rating the album tracks and not live. Mm -hmm. And anyone familiar with Dave Matthews Band uh, live is really where it's at. Uh, but uh, to go back and do this uh, the first full album and. I have been a fan pretty much from the beginning. Uh, we live in a semi-college town, so I would get some tapes here and there from friends. And that's kind of how, how I found out about this band. Um, otherwise, I probably would have been like most people and when the radio hits came out. but So it was you know, kind of a cool thing uh, in junior high and high school to be into something that wasn't, I don't want to say mainstream, but... Yeah, that was still kind of gaining steam and pulling along and hearing some of these songs live before they were on albums. I just thought that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. And since then, I have followed them, uh, seen them as much as possible. I've seen them every time they've played in this area, traveled a few times. Uh, always a great show. Uh, these guys leave it all out there every night, even now that they're getting older. I, I just think they keep getting better. Uh, you can make some arguments for older stuff and older concerts versus newer concerts, but that's not what we're doing today. So <laughs> we're just going to go right into the actual album because I'll keep rambling. No, hey, man, that's it's not like I don't do that. That's that's what we're here to do. We want to talk about the tracks. Uh, like Steve said, though, I mean, obviously Dave Matthews is known for the live stuff, but I mean, we wouldn't do anything else if we if we concentrated on live Dave Matthews. So we're, we're sticking to studio, at least for today. So. I have a little bit different uh, of a story about this album, and I'll keep it very short. Uh, being a little bit younger than you, this came out in 94-ish, I want to say. Yes, 94, uh, according to Spotify. So I heard Ants Marching, because that was the big hit on the radio, and uh, What Would You Say, and stuff like that. And so to me, it was it was neat. You know, it was poppy, it was catchy, it was, you know, it was cool, but... You know, his music, other than, you know, those first couple songs, his music goes in a drastically different direction uh, a lot of the time. And so I, I kind of, at best, am a Fairweather fan. Um, never seen him live. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'm sure I'll have a lot of questions. But we'll go ahead and we'll dive right into it here. Um, first track is called uh, The Best of What's Around. So I will let Steve take it over from here. Uh, Steve, tell us about The Best of What's Around. Well, first, it's a hell of a way to start an album. Um, I love this song. Um, it's matured. Live again you know, up until this point. But just, I don't know, it's like a welcoming song. Like, hey, come on in and hear what we have to say. You know, and I just thought it was a great way to open the album up. I'm pretty sure, and anyone can feel free to correct me on this, but I believe it's played every year that they've toured since 1991. Like, this song's been around from the beginning, and it still pops up now. Um, big favorite of mine, and I would rate it a one. Very cool. Uh, and just a quick reminder, we're doing one or plus one, as I usually say, for, for you know, off the 
awesome, if you will. Uh, zero for take it or leave it, and, and negative one for uh, not, not your wheelhouse, correct, Steve? That is correct. All right. So for me, I, I just re-listened to this album today, and for me, this one struck me immediately. I, I must not have heard it very much. I like it a lot. And for a lot of the same reasons you said, it's very upbeat. Um, it's not overpowering, but it's a great opener. And uh, still, I listened to it two or three times today. And I, I think it's awesome as an opening track. And uh, was very, very impressed by it. So I give it a plus one as well. All righty. So, like I said, Steve's going to be driving on this episode. So you take it from here, Steve. Tell, tell us about track two. Will do. Uh, and uh, one thing with this album, and it's going to start with this song, actually, I understand the music business to a degree, and I understand singles and all that, and what they want to you know, put out there and what they think will attract an audience. This being one of those songs, what would you say? Mm-hmm. I would say uh, plus one. That's what I would say. That's I what like you would say. I like this song a lot. Yeah. yeah. So I, uh, and, and I'm sure you're going to say all the reasons why the diehards don't like it is probably the reasons I do. But uh, it, this, this one grabs you, and I feel like he, he, he has a weird enunciation in this song that's kind of become a staple, and I think this is kind of where I first heard it. Um, you know, just the exaggeration, and what would you say, you know, that kind of stuff, uh, which I like. And so I love it, uh, but that's my knowledge of it. So it's plus one for me, and uh, I'll let you tell us the story about it. Uh, this is one which I think a lot of people have with later albums that I heard so much that it kind of ruined it. Now, again, we're not doing live. That would be a whole different conversation. Uh, I'm just burnt out on this song. And I I, I skip it every time it comes on, to be honest. Uh, I piss off some purists, but I had to give it a negative one. Which which does not mean I do not like it. Just trying to judge the album on its own. Uh, so then what are we looking at for number three Steve? third track is satellite Satellite. Okay. this one i know but let's uh go with what i said in the beginning and have you do the talk and tell us about satellite satellite again another one that's been pretty much always prevalent throughout their career uh a lot of times it opens the encore mm-hmm. which is such a nice song for that um I just like you can like it's just I don't know it's like ethereal, you know it's yeah. just just nice little floating like little bouncing kind of you kind of hear how it's going, and I, don't, I just think ly- lyrically it's brilliant the way it's tied together, uh, and as you're saying earlier and I'll let you get to this this was originally entitled a different name. Yeah, yeah. So I uh, I I knew this song obviously satellite. This was a song that was on the radio song came out or when the album came out and I liked it because of the guitar and uh, I worked uh, my first real job was at Long John Silver's and uh, a guy I worked with there was a Dave Matthews nerd uh, very similar to you drove uh, traveled around to see them and all this kind of stuff and he told me you know this used to be uh, called uh, a song called After Her and uh, I said what and he said yeah it was demos it was faster and the lyrics were a little different blah 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 and I said well what happened and, and he said that 
I have no idea if this is true, but that the band couldn't keep up with him. So they, he slowed the guitar down a little bit and, and, and I guess changed the lyrics and dressed it up a little bit. Either way, I like it, but I, and this was 15, 20 years ago, back then, it was rarely played. Like back for a couple years there, it, maybe once a year, if at all. Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, an anomaly in the catalog and the fact that it's that popular, but it's not played that much? No, it's actually been getting quite a lot of play the last few years, especially. Um, like I said, usually in the first encore spot there, mm. which I think like I said, it fits perfectly. Uh, a lot of times uh, Dave Matthews will come out and do it solo. Uh, while the band's kind of relaxing and chilling out a little bit. Um, Any I truth to the guitar story? I, I mean, just from hearing both, I, that, I can totally believe that. Uh, this was from uh, basically a demo album that Dave was kind of shopping around when he first started getting into creating music. And my guess would be, yeah, because just even slow this is a difficult song to play uh, i believe it changes keys two or three times or not to keys i'm sorry um time signatures two or three times which you know again for all but the best that's that's a hard thing to do and continue doing especially in a live setting yeah you could throw it down maybe in a studio yeah after a couple of takes but to be able to go out there every night and play it yeah that's and that's what i was getting at it's known for being a pretty complicated song on the guitar. And uh, I don't know anything about the guitar. I'm not a musician, but I, I love it. I think it's a really catchy song. I love the lyrics as well. I mean, I like the story of the whole thing. Um, I kind of wish it was a bigger hit. Maybe it's bigger than I'm making it out to be, but just because the Fairweather fan like me, all they do is flood you with ants marching. It kind of gets forgotten about, but it's definitely a plus one for me. I did a little checking here. Uh, since its inception, it has been played 1,045 times in concert. Wow. That uh, is a lot more than I was expecting to hear, uh, to be honest with you. Am I correct, though? There was a couple-year gap there where they didn't play it much? I mean, really, with few exceptions, that kind of happens with every song. Okay. Uh, they do such a great job in kind of keeping... And I know people are going to argue with this, but I think they do a great job in rotating songs in and out. You know, there are certain ones that are kind of always going to be there. But then at the same time, you know, they kind of take some out of rotation, bring some new stuff in. Uh, this album's a good example of that, this being one of those kind of songs. Uh, a few others when we get later on too that don't get played necessarily even every year yeah. uh, let alone multiple times within a year oh absolutely and that I, said uh, as much as i do agree. like it i prefer after her and i'm giving it a zero dang i was not expecting to hear that i'm gonna be <laughs> honest with you but uh but we'll take it i prefer after her too uh, I don't have it at the ready, and it's not on Spotify, or I, I would sample it in the background. But anybody listening, go Google it, and you'll, you'll find it. Check it out. It's, it's an interesting listen, especially when you compare it to the studio version. So, um, you know, that, uh, that's another track where we can probably do a, an episode where I can just ask questions about that. Uh, but moving on, uh, what do we got coming up next, Steve? Okay, this is kind of where, as for me anyway, the album really starts picking up. And we have Rhyme and Reason. 
Tell us a little bit about Rhyme and Reason. Yeah, it's, I mean, quite honestly, it, it's a tough song to really even talk about. It has such, I think, personally, from just my understanding and what I've read, a lot of personal um, impact on you know from Dave Matthews himself. Uh, allegedly, it has some uh, drug overtones uh, to it, but it just the way it has. It just kind of keeps chugging. You can kind of hear how it's just like bouncing back and forth and building up right here. Uh, I, I love this song. This is a re really great way when you're getting in the middle of an album uh, to kind of keep the pace going. Yes. And when I listen to this song, I don't, it sounds familiar to me. So I'm sure I heard it in a department store on the radio or something. I don't know. But not often. And I literally put this on repeat two or three times in the car today. This is easily my favorite song on the album. And I'm a little ashamed I didn't I didn't know it well enough before this. So I'm a big fan of this song. I like it because it, I could hear the angst in his voice. And I don't you don't hear a lot of Dave songs with angst in his voice. Usually it's about, you know, dreaming and clouds and girls whatever and so this one you, you could tell there's a little bit of angst there but it's still dave matthews because you still have the brass you still have the horns you know but then he, he drives right into this chorus and it's it's a full on it turns into a rocker almost you know so i love it plus one for me sure. same here uh yeah. plus one all day i like too that for a song i mean this is kind of when their songs tend to be a little bit longer, but it's, you know, clocks in a little bit over five minutes. But I, I think every instrument really gets to shine in it, too. You know, like the horns pop in early, you really get to hear that. You know, just everything kind of has its spot. You know, drums are constantly going because Carter's a god uh, in the background. Uh, yeah, plus one every time, all the time. I don't think I'd ever not be in a mood to listen to it. You know what? And and this, I'll tell you what. This one is going to be on my playlist in regular rotation now. I mean, that's it's it's very rare that a, a, a song from an established band strikes me, or it's like, oh, I got to put this in the rotation. But this is definitely one of them. So, I'm uh, the fact that I discovered this is to me the point of this entire podcast for everyone else. So, uh, so that's that's wonderful. Uh, so that. Uh, probably is stereotypical but that'll lead us into a typical situation which is track number five so tell us about track number five steve uh, i think it's a fantastic song also um kind of get a little bit different a little open to interpretation um let's wait for it to kind of kick in a little bit mm -hmm. the song not any sort of right. substances um <laughs> that's only during the live show <laughs> But uh, again, it's another one that I love. Like I said, this is like where the album for me really starts to just come all around and become more cohesive. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I was listening to this one and, uh, you know, this took a drastic left turn because it's softer. Uh, no, and it's sad, too. And it's sad. It is um, a sad song. And, you know, sometimes I like listening to that stuff. And so, you know, I don't, 
I don't hate it by any means, but I think it was sequenced poorly. I don't think it should have been put right after Rhyme and Reason. That's just my opinion. Like, I come off Rhyme and Reason ready to, like, party, and then this comes on, and I just want to cry. So, I don't know. For that, I'm going to give it a negative one. Um, just because I think, like you said in the beginning, it's kind of understood. Everything with Dave, it's Dave Matthews, is it's kind of understood to be better live with, with the band. So, I would probably give it a zero live. But for this, I'm going to say negative one. All right, and I'm going to give it a one. Uh I do like it because I tend to like sad stuff. And it's not really that it's sad. Uh, it's just that it comes across that way with the music and the lyrics. But it's really a, about how people just need to be able to be themselves and not have to feel the necessary or necessity to conform. You know, and I just think that's an excellent message. I think it's more important now than even it was back when this came out. But, oh, I agree with yeah, that. yeah, it's definitely a favorite so i'm gonna go with the one cool very cool so that takes us from uh typical situation to dancing nancy's track number six and uh this one i've heard a few times uh, i'll save my opinion but tell us about dancing nancy's this is another one that's pretty much been around from day one and still getting play um the opening uh they tend to work or uh, work into the lyrics something about the area they're playing in which just sets the crowd like off like even though you know it's going to happen if you've been to more than one show you know hear them say you know i i'd rather be you know in looks great scranton pa or something <laughs> you know i mean it's a, it's kind of cheesy yeah. but you get a whole crowd of people together and oh, yeah hear that the, the place and the energy just explodes you gotta get the crowd popped in there absolutely and i also like the slow build up yeah. you know it's kind of very sparse at the beginning little drums acoustic guitar and it keeps on going yeah slower music has to sound a certain way for me to enjoy it like i'm not a folk music neil young bob dylan kind of guy at all and i'm not saying dave matthews anything some of his some of his jammier slower stuff I, I can't do I like this song uh, a lot um, it's 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 uh, almost feels atmospheric to me I don't know if that makes sense but it's 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 cool and uh, it's not typically the type of music that or the type of song where I'd be like yeah I want to listen to that but I, I like it I'm gonna give this one a zero as well and I agree as far like the atmospheric part of it, especially with a good pair of headphones. There's so much going on musically with the lyrics laid over. It's just, I don't know, kind of can yeah. transport you a little bit somewhere else. Absolutely. So, and just yeah. as a side note for people that don't know, you know, you see the uh, Fire Dancer logo. Yeah. That's pretty much what inspired that was this song and the name. Oh, There's more know. to it. I'm not going to retell any of Mr. Matthew's stories, but... Yeah, that's kind of where that the Fire Dancer logo came from. Very cool. So the next one we could skip, but I guess we <laughs> can't, um, so we won't. Uh, Ants marching. Uh, I'm gonna say I'm, I'm gonna. This is one I'll hijack. I'm gonna say negative one. To me, it's just because it's another Welcome to the Jungle type song where it's like you can't unhear it because it's all that's ever played for 
whatever it was on the radio and it's still on the radio. And I'm going to be honest with you, lyrically, I mean, sonically even, it, it's just not, it doesn't do it for me. It, it doesn't do it. It, it sounds like a, like a poor man's what would you say to me. And I just never, I never liked it. Even before I got sick of it from being overplayed, um, and I'm just not a fan of it. And if they never played it again, I would be ecstatic. So I, I don't want to get that negative. I'm just, I don't know. I just I'm not a fan of it, and it boggles my mind to this day that this is the song that put them on the map. Um, but you know, I'll, I'll let you uh, defend the honor of the Dave Matthews Band. But negative uh, one for me. No, I. I not that deep into the, the, your camp, but pretty close. Okay. Uh, it, it's not that I dislike it. it. Again, and shortly here, I'll explain what I'm getting at. You know, it was a single. And, you know, clearly did extremely well for them, which is awesome because they might not still be around. So I do have to owe it a little bit of credit. Um, my disdain for the song comes from the opening. And the drum, uh, or sorry, yeah, the drum count off at the beginning is also very similar to that of Halloween. A mm. uh, song I've been chasing to see live for literal decades. And the last time I came that close, it ended up being Ants Marching. Uh, so I'm going to give bummer. it a zero. Yeah, it really was. I really thought that's what it was. And yeah, it, just bad Can luck, just... but... Like, uh, lyrically and musically, what do you think of this song? See, musically, I like it. Uh, there's there's a lot going on. Uh, again, all the instruments get featured. There's nice little breakdowns in it. But, like, lyrically, if you read the lyrics, I like it. I, I don't know what it is. It's not like I don't hate them. I, I wouldn't, like, walk away or leave the concert if they played it, but... You know, there's definitely way a lot more songs I'd rather hear. Same. If I'm at a concert, I mean, if they're gonna play 22 songs, if this isn't one of them, I'm not gonna be mad about it. If they do play it, okay. You know, it's not really, it's, it's a relatively short song. Really. See, I, I genuinely would be mad. Like if they played it, I would genuinely be like, that's four minutes. I'll never have back. Um, you know. And there's so much other stuff they could play. Where and and that's the thing where it's like. I don't even have to look at the set list to almost guarantee this is probably their most played song, I would assume. Um, but yet, for a band that cycles songs in and out, this one doesn't get cycled out all that much, I guess. Or maybe I'm off, but that's what I always thought. Uh, it's been played at least 1,400 times. I believe that. So, let's uh, please stop talking about that song before we do this. Yeah, let's go into the next one, because I have Thank a little God. bit to say. Please do. Go right ahead. Track eight, Lover Lay Down. Yep. So tell us about that. Please. So, yeah, I know you're not much into the slower songs, but I absolutely adore this song. Um, I think this should have been one of the singles. Oh, okay. Uh, it takes on a life of its own life. It's a lot different, but it doesn't get played to death. Okay. So it kind of makes it really special but it's, it's a beautiful love song uh, supposedly has some musical ties to Paul Simon and 50 ways to lead your lover uh, has a little bit of some similarity with uh, the pacing and all that of the song but I, I just 
I don't know. I just I think it's beautiful from the music to the delivery of the lyrics, the way it builds up uh, at the end with the little instrumental and then till we dance away like a basically happy ending, if you will. Um, it's basically someone pining away for somebody, and it's just so well done. And then the fact that you know it ends up kind of working out in the end, and they dance away. I, I think it's just a beautiful song. Plus one. Gotcha. So I'm gonna give this one a zero. Uh, it is a very nice song. Uh, I'm just just genuinely not a fan of the slower song. If I'm in the mood to listen to a slower song or uh, a romantic song or emotional song, this is a good one. Uh, I just you know it's just not really you know it's it's hard for me to come off his more mid tempo stuff and then he does this, which to me sounds like he's playing a jazz club somewhere. So he really like he goes from one extreme to the other, and I think that's what takes me a little bit to get used to. But I, I don't hate it either, and I, I do I do appreciate the lyrics very much. Uh, just one last thing with "Lover Lay Down" too, and if it, and I don't even know if this is true. It's an observational thing, but it appears that, to me the story and the lyrics seem more inspired by E. Cummings, the poet, mm. um, and go out there and read some of his stuff you'll see what i mean i'm not going to explain it uh, but it does definitely lyrically more than anything uh, so jimmy thing this is my aunt's marching ah okay yeah i, I get so it in a good way or a bad way in, like in, a, is... in your way like we're kind of oh, my way. Okay. yeah gotcha. yeah i'm just gonna say it right off uh and i'll throw it to you a uh, negative one okay uh, i like the i mean this studio I version know. No, it's pretty good, but when it's 14 minutes in a concert, but, and it gets the crowd going, I get it, but yeah. they could play three other good songs like Lover Lay Down and a few others that are on this album, yeah. and I would be ecstatic. Yeah, I could, I could see that, because I share a similar sentiment. So this song I actually know fairly well. Um, there was a few years there where I kind of got into Dave Matthews, and this is one of the songs I like quite a bit. I did not like the live version for the reason you just said. You know, I didn't want the six-minute jam session, at, at, you know, at the end or in the middle or, or whatever. I didn't want a 14-minute or... And I don't know if I've ever listened to this studio version until today. And when I was listening to it, I'm like, it sounds different because they play it different in concert. But I appreciated it so much more. And this is one of the few where I'll take the studio version over the live version all day. All day. So for that reason, I'll give it a plus one because I was very, I liked the studio version quite a bit. That's another one that might get semi-regular rotation on, uh, on my playlist. So, um, I'm all for doing a jam session, you know, I mean, but not after, you know, every third song. Like, I don't need a 13-minute interlude or whatever. And I'm not saying they do that, but... You know, every live version of this I had, I've ever heard, is double digits, minute wise, at least. So, I agree with you for the for the same thing. Any any last minute thoughts on Jimmy? Not really. I guess live, the one positive, if you're actually there, present. These guys are having a friggin' blast, and it helps. Like, not a lot of bands actually seem to have fun when they're playing when you see them live. Like, for real, I've been to tons of concerts, and some people, like, they're just there to, you know, we're going to play these 15 songs, we're going home, and bye. 
where they're actually having fun and dancing around, talking, joking while they're playing. But yeah, that's just negative one. That's all I have to say. <laughs> move into right. warehouse. Fair enough. So yeah, let's move into warehouse. The uh, name of, or it used to be last time I checked, of the Dave Matthews what fan club or something, right? Uh, it is uh, the Dave Matthews fan club, the warehouse, and also one of the places they started playing was called the warehouse. explained got it um so tell us about warehouse steve this is a fairly popular tune in the catalog i believe oh definitely um i, I do enjoy it thoroughly uh something i read in preparation for this that i and i don't know exactly the truth of it but i'm going to share it because i found it fascinating by going back and re-listening to the lyrics so what i read from an unnamed source was that this song is actually basically about the human body. Wow. And if you go back and read the lyrics, you know, so you can, you know, kind of get every little nuance of every word, it, it fit perfectly. So if that's true, it's utter genius. If it's not, the person that came up with the theory is a genius. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I do like actually opening with this song, I think is a great way to start a show. And it's in that slot quite a bit. Um, but I, I, it's one of my favorites on this album. Plus one. Gotcha. Uh, I'm definitely the opposite. Don't like it. Don't care for it. Not my thing. Seven minutes long. And uh, I feel like I die a little inside by the end. Um, you know, I agree with you, though, and I never thought about it this way until you just said it. it do if I was going to put it anywhere, it would make a great opener. So it would absolutely be tolerable for me as an opener. And I'm not saying it's not, but like right now, like when you're starting getting into the verses and stuff, this is fine. There's six more minutes left to this song. So, I mean, that that's where I have an issue. So I'm gonna go negative one, um, just because. And uh, so then the next one, track 11 is pay for what you get. So um, this one, uh, and I'll throw it to you, but this one I know for a fact. I've never heard in my life till today. Oh, wow. When I was listening to it, I was like, I don't remember one word of this ever. So tell us about Pay for What You Get. Well, because I would never be a successful music executive, this would have been the second single I would have released next to Lover Lay Down. Um, oh. I, I love this song. Again, it's dark. Mm -hmm. uh, it has, I believe, like three little stories told throughout the with that kind of overarching theme of this girl and what happens to her. Um, probably, the, I think, overall, the slowest overall out song on the album. Uh, has a very jazzy kind of beat going to it. Uh, it's one of my favorites. Again, another one I've been chasing forever. Uh, plus one. Uh, I'm going to actually agree with you there. I, I heard this one and I liked it because of exactly that. I, I, I don't know the subgenres of jazz very well, but it has a very jazz feel to me with the, uh, with you know the horns and the, and the different timbre of the horns in between the, vo the verses and stuff. You know, like there's parts of this song I feel like you could sample for like. You know, an episode of like an old 70s detective show or something. 
And so I, I think it's, it's really cool because it's just a cool sound. And, uh, and I, you know, I, the, the lyrics are kind of like, you know, I don't know, maybe it was having an off day that day. They, they don't blow my mind or anything, but I, I like the music a lot. So for that, I, and I, I literally don't ever remember hearing it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a plus one. Is this song played live, Steve? Yeah, it's a little more of a, a, a chase, if you will, yeah. when you consider your know, other songs have been played, yeah, you know, fourteen hundred times, thousand times. Uh, this song has only been played around two hundred times wow. live. Um, thankfully, because of the live releases and live track series, um, there's enough versions of it out there. Uh, I did hear it once at montage, but I didn't know what I was hearing because I was still kind of new into like oh. getting deep into them. So I did hear it, but I don't have, I, I, I didn't get to have the reverence for it that I would have had if I saw it this summer. Yeah. You know, so it was played and I remember it being awesome. And what I did, I mean, I was way younger. I, I kept right. I kept like a little paper. I was writing down the set list as they played each song. I didn't know the name of the song. And I, I can't find the paper. I wanted to find it because I know I kept it, but I gave it some other random name. Nice. Um, but yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed this one. Very cool. So that takes us to the end. Steve, tell us about the capper, number 12. It's a number, and it is number 34. Number 34. It is an instrumental. Uh, it's only been played a handful of times ever. Uh, live, it has some improvised lyrics here and there in some of the versions of it. Mm. Uh, it's basically kind of come along to be known as Roy's song. Mm. And they do tend to only play it in honor of Roy Moore, uh, passed away tragically and suddenly, uh, right at the height kind of, of, you know, everything that was going on for this band. Uh, yeah. Kind of almost destroyed them in a way. And I understand uh, Roy Moore was an awesome human being immensely talented um quick story how they met dave was in a bar he was a bartender uh that's the song on future albums bartender mm -hmm. and he heard this guy was basically whole, propped up against a bar mm -hmm. bombed out of his mind playing um i think it was somewhere over the rainbow if i'm wrong someone can correct me and it just blew dave matthews away uh they ended up kind of talking being friends started playing together and you know they got to where they were but yeah you know, it's just not it, it's just it's just very it's kind of simplistic in this yeah. the song itself it's only uh, i think it goes about five minutes total mm -hmm. but i don't know it's just there's something kind of and i hate using the word it sounds a little corny but magical about it mm -hmm. and then you add in the fact that it doesn't really get played that when it does it really hits i can appreciate that i mean you know people like it it sounds like just because it's not played that much and i could absolutely appreciate the story um instrumental tracks to me are like a waste of money uh so i give it a negative one not that it's a bad song but i i, I just I, it doesn't i can't for any band it doesn't click in my head where it's like you're gonna finish off a, an album with a song with no words i not a fan of instrumental music for the most part um, again not that it's bad but uh, I like voices I like to hear words I like lyrics so negative one for me 
Um, so that uh, that takes us uh, out from under the table. So we're at the table or on top of the table. I don't know. And uh, we're done with this album. So uh, Steve, as per usual, is uh, keeping track of the tally. So give us a rundown, Steve. How do we break this one down? So in the pantheon of Dave Matthews Band Records, I gave it a six overall. Okay. And Ray gave it a zero. Ah, okay. So that, uh, there's a little bit more of a, a gap than our normal stuff there, which was to be expected, I would assume, for, for Dave Matthews, which is cool. Um, I definitely appreciate the fact that I gained you know, two or three songs that are going to be in heavy rotation now on my playlist, so that's always cool. Um, if I had to pick one from the album that wasn't a radio hit, and, uh, you know, who got, and for all I know, it could have been, uh, Rhyme and Reason, for sure, is, is my uh, standout non, uh, let's say, hit, if you will. How about you, Steve? You have one, one you can pick that's uh, not a hit, maybe, but that's your your dark horse i'm torn between two okay uh lover lay down and pay for what you get i think i'm gonna say pay for what you get though uh it's darker i tend to lean that way with stuff um there's a story to it a little more as much as i, I do adore lover lay down uh mm -hmm. pay for what you get i think would be my pick very cool very cool i agree uh, out of those two i would have picked the same so i, I agree with you there and so hopefully everybody enjoyed that. We did uh, Under the Table, Dave Matthews' uh, debut album. We are going to be coming back uh, with another episode, number six, another Dave Matthews album. Tell them, tell them a little bit, Steve, what we're going to be doing next episode. Coming up next, we're going to do Crash, Crash. Uh, their sophomore album. Mm -hmm. And you can see some differences here for sure. Now, before I, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it off with this, when we're, we just talked about Under the Table and Dreaming, I don't even know how to classify this record. Uh, I, I can't say rock, I can't say pop, I, I don't know what you would call it, but I mean, what, 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 what kind of style is Under the Table and Dreaming? Wow. Uh, it's kind of like jazzy bluesgrass, but with rock. Okay. That's how I would, that's what I would call it. Um, you know, that makes a lot of sense to me. Especially way back then they did they were more of a jam band than they are than they are now. Um, but yeah, there's always that definitely that blues uh, blues even. Uh, there you go. So it's kind of a mishmash of everything. Uh, for Steve, I am Ray. We will see you guys next time. Bye everybody.